is from the 10th chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus then went on and said, You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man declared, Teacher, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, One thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell, for he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. The disciples were even more amazed, and he said to them, Who can then be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me again this morning as we uh, have opportunity to hear the Holy Spirit prayer and to pray the Holy Spirit prayer, either silently or aloud, and encourage you to join me. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and Kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Pretty much everything that I have read about things that are eternal, they have their references in both the Old and the New Testament. It is very prevalent in the Old Testament to refer to God as eternal. There are scripture passages all throughout the Old Testament to refer to God as eternal. And many of the attributes or the traits of God that are described in the Old Testament are considered to be eternal traits and eternal attributes. Just to give you a few examples, I'm not going to actually quote scripture, but I'm going to Uh, just let you know that these things are said in the Old Testament. Things like God's very being and God's will are said to be eternal. God's love, God's blessing, God's protection, and yes, God's plan and God's rule are all considered to be eternal according to passages in the Old Testament. Even God's remembrance of God's covenant that he made with his people is considered to be and referred to as eternal. And one other very important word, God's righteousness, is considered to be forever. In Psalm 136, take some time to read Psalm 136, and it talks about God's love. And it says that God's love is forever. And in that psalm, that phrase is repeated 26 
times. All throughout the Old Testament, God and the attributes and the traits of God are considered to be eternal. And yet, and yet, when it comes to the concept and belief of eternal life, that term or that stream of thought did not become widely known or thought of until after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. To quote a very definitive source, the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible, I may have told you this before, but the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible is five volumes, but they're thick volumes. They're like this thick, and there's probably about 1,500 pages per volume, and there's five of those. And pretty much anything that you want to know about the Bible is found in this volume of the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible. And when it comes to things about resurrection and those things that are eternal and things that have to do with eternal life, this is what, it, it's a very short and very concise sentence, but it says that the answer to man's quest for life everlasting is the New Testament belief in a personal resurrection and its basis is the resurrection of Jesus. So, been thinking about this guy, thinking about this man that came before Jesus today. I think it's important for us to realize that Jesus already knew the man before he even approached him. Or maybe I should say that Jesus knew his heart. And I think that has something to do with our daily walk of faith as well. For those of us who call upon the name of the Lord each day, when we come into the presence of Christ each day, we are coming to Jesus as an open book. That's putting it mildly. Jesus knows us. Jesus knows our heart, just like he knew the heart of this man. Just like Jesus knew the heart of the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus knows us. Jesus had never seen this man before, nor had he ever encountered him, and yet Jesus knew him. He knew his heart. One of my commentary sources describes Jesus, and this is actually taken out of our passage from Hebrews today. If you, were, if you happened to hear it, it probably stuck out just a little bit for you when you heard it. One of my commentary sources describes Jesus that he is a naked making word. That's kind of an interesting concept, don't you think? A word who sees all, who exposes all, and who judges all. Or as the passage from the Hebrews describes the word of God, it is a living and active word, and it is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. When we come before the Lord each day, to put it mildly, we come before the Lord as an open book. He knows us, and he knows our heart. 
And yet, there's something else that the writer of Hebrews says that I think is something that we can take uh, solace in. He then goes on, he says, but we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, with our nakedness, with our brokenness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. And this is the part that I think is so important for us to hear. If we continue to keep this image in our mind that every day we come before the Lord as an open book. In a certain sense, we come before the Lord literally without clothes. But let us then approach that throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every day we approach that throne of grace as an open book because Jesus knows us so well. And yet is that throne of grace, a throne of mercy that we approach. I think, the, I think, it's, I think it's quite obvious that the, the call of Jesus is the same every day. The call of Jesus every day is to come and journey with me. Come and follow me. Trust in mercy, trust in my mercy, trust in my love, trust in my grace, and trust in my leading. And when we read and contemplate this living word, we, as followers of Christ, we come as Easter and resurrection people. And we come to this word with an Easter and resurrection perspective. This story, this encounter with Jesus, is really about Jesus, who is on his way to Jerusalem. It's all about what Jesus did for us and what the eternal God did for us in raising Jesus up from the dead in order that you and I can be inheritors of eternal life. Not because of something that we have done, but rather because of what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus has loved us so profoundly and has always loved us that he gave up everything. He gave up his life for us. As I think about this man who came before Jesus today and as they were having this conversation together, ultimately I think what is going on here is that Jesus was extending an invitation to this man to come and to follow him and to ultimately follow him to Jerusalem, to follow him and see him on the cross, and ultimately to have that resurrection Easter experience in hearing about the resurrection of Jesus. He was inviting the man to come and to see the length to which Christ would go to make the reality of eternal life possible. And that is that same invitation to us today to live into this gospel story and to journey and to follow Jesus each day and to recall each day and to relive the path and the way to eternal life. It's an invitation for us to live into our baptismal covenant that Jesus made for us, that we hear those words when we're baptized, that we've been sealed with the cross of Christ forever. And as the Apostle Paul reminds us, 
Do you not know that all of you have been baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. I was introduced to a Moravian hymn this week. In this Moravian hymn, it's oftentimes used as a birthday blessing in the Moravian church tradition. And I want to share with you the first verse of that hymn. It says, With your presence, Lord, our head and Savior. This might be a good prayer for us to pray each morning when we come into the Lord's presence. With your presence, Lord, our head and Savior, bless us now, we humbly pray. Our dear Heavenly Father's love and favor be our comfort every day. May God's Spirit now in each proceeding favor us with his most gracious leading. Thus shall we be truly blessed, both in labor and in rest. As I have reflected upon that, verse this week. I think there's some implications in that hymn, as I have heard it. Jesus is both our head and our Savior. To be our head implies that our daily relationship, our daily walk with Jesus, it affects and it influences how we live our life of faith. That Jesus is the head of our lives, What does that mean? I think that's a question for us to ask every day when we say, come into our presence, Lord, and be the head of our lives. What does that mean for us? It means that we acknowledge Jesus' love and his favor, and that love and that favor influences our actions on how and where we are led each day. It also influences how we are led to use our gifts and our talents and our wealth that we have been blessed to have in this life. Jesus is both our head and our Savior. To be our Savior is to once again come humbly before Jesus and to realize that our salvation and the inheritance of eternal life is only possible because of what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed and gave up everything. He sacrificed and gave up his life that we might have eternal life. And to claim Jesus as our Savior is to humbly admit our saving has nothing to do with what we do to inherit it. Our salvation has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us by giving up everything. Our salvation is only possible because of what God has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Might this be a prayer for us to consider each day? Favor us, Lord, with your most gracious leading, and thus we shall be truly blessed, both in our earthly labor and in the rest that we shall inherit with you 
in our eternal rest. For you are both our earthly head and our eternal Savior. Amen. And now let's say together the, world's, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.